Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. If you're tuning right now to this podcast and you're seeking a church home or you're looking for a place to fellowship, we would love to meet you and your family on a Sunday morning. Be sure to check out www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com for more information on how you can do that. Today's episode, we're going to be beginning a brand new series entitled Chain Reaction, and we're going to be talking about this thing called faith. This is part one of a four-part series that I spoke back in 2018. I hope you enjoy the message, and I hope it strengthens and inspires you. See you guys next time. Good morning. Good to see those of you out this morning. If you're tuned online, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. I'm so excited you could join us this morning as we begin this brand new series entitled Chain Reaction. Now, how many of y'all are familiar with Newton's Three Laws of Motion? Now, you ain't got to be a huge physicist. See, I tried to find the easiest ones to read that there was. So, because uh, I actually, when I first did this series a few years back, there was a complicated look, and then I asked Alexa, of all people, y'all know Alexa, right, the little thing that talks to you when you talk back, and I said, what's the three laws of motion? And she rambled it off real quick, I'm like, wow, that's easy to understand, because I was trying to get deep, because I didn't want to say something that was wrong. So, uh, but the first law in Newton's uh, three laws of motion is that an object at rest or in motion will remain in its current state until acted on by another force, and they also call that uniform motion. Law number two states that the force of a moving object is equal to the mass times its acceleration, and they also call that acceleration, or the speed at which the object is moving is based on the weight or the mass of the object, and at the speed of which it's going. Now, the third law is kind of the one I based this series off of, which you may be familiar with, that we've heard it since we were kids. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And that is what we call a chain reaction. Now, years ago when I was kind of, God had given me this title. He's like, chain reaction. Well, that's all he kind of gave me. I'm like, what? How do you get chain reaction? And so I started digging and it actually took me a year to gather the notes to figure out exactly where we wanted to go with this series. And God took me to Romans chapter 5. And then I started realizing, huh, because what I want to key in on it isn't necessarily the physical chain reaction that we see when this stuff happens. But also, and I've said it before in a series a few weeks ago, that every decision that you have made in your life has gotten you to this and each of those decisions caused a chain reaction or a turn, possibly. If it was a decision where you were choosing which road to go to, then that decision caused a chain reaction that immediately led you to where you're at today. So your life is kind of in a series of chain reactions. You could have chose a different path, but you chose to go the one you're on. And suddenly, boom, you're here. Romans 5, 18 to 21 is our key scripture for this entire series. And it says this. Consequently, and I'm reading out of the NIV this morning, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many 
remain sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and I'm asking you to speak your words through me, Lord. Don't let them be my own. That those listening will get out of this exactly what you have given to them to receive. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's kind of where we're going to be at for this entire series. The chain reaction I want you to key in on there in those few verses is Adam messed up. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, and we'll go a little bit deeper in that as this series kind of goes on. Adam messed up. In the garden, he took of the forbidden fruit. As a result, there was a chain reaction that caused all of us to become sinners. But when he took that first sin, it chain reaction, it fell on all of us. So what happened in what those verses are saying Jesus came to die as a sacrifice so that he could create a chain reaction that would give us the chance at eternal life. And that's kind of where we're keying in on these passages. So what I want to do, though, where we're going to be at today is you jump up right there in the same chapter, Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to talk for a second. You're going to get to learn a little bit of Greek today. Y'all excited? I'm just kidding. Just one word. Okay, so Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're taking notes, that's one of your first blanks there is faith right there on that line. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, verse 6, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's a key passage that we just kind of talked about there just a moment ago. Because of Adam's sin, we have now all become sinners. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been now just or since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? It's talking about Christ. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I'm going to turn this down a second. It's popping blood. <laughs> all right. So right there in those passages, you should have got faith in all of those. So give me, I'm going to give you a guess what we're going to talk about this first week on our Chain Reaction series. We're going to be talking about faith. 
But here's what I want you to key in on there. That word that you see there that's translated faith is actually the Greek word pistis. And what that means, and it's used 225 times in your New Testament. What that actually means is, check out the meaning though. Belief, trust, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. So if you got your fill in the bank, actions is your next fill in the blank there. Belief, trust, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. So see, it's about more than just claiming that you're a Christian. It takes action to make things happen. So if you've been born again, praise the Lord, that's a good thing if you're listening online, that you've been born again. But now God says it's time for you to get to work. you got stuff that you need to be doing. We've only got so much time on this planet to try to help all the other people that are out there seeking after something, seeking after God, those that are really seeking Him, that they can be given the same gift. Now, how many of y'all have ever been given this awesome present? Whether it was a Christmas time, maybe a birthday, and you got it, and you were just so excited about what it was. For me, I remember my first extremely excited Christmas. I was not remember how old I was, but I had asked for a CD burner, because I wanted to be able to burn my own music on those CDs. And Christmas came, and I kind of knew that that might be what's in that box. And when I opened it, I was so excited. Anybody relate to that? Maybe there was a present. Maybe you didn't want a CD burner. Maybe you wanted something else. But to me, that was one of my favorite Christmases and memories because I got exactly what I needed to push forth the ministry I was trying to create at that time. I was recording albums and things. I wanted something to be able to burn music to. So I was excited. But if you've ever been given a gift, you were so excited to tell somebody about it. Right? I see some head nodding. Y'all awake this morning? So if you've ever been given that gift, you were so excited to share it with somebody else. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> God has given you the greatest gift of all, a chance at eternal life. It's exciting, right? If you're on there, you're listening to me, you're a believer. Obviously, I'm talking to believers at the moment. It's exciting to know that you're saved. But see, sadly, in this society, too many Christians get their fire insurance and they're good. What do I mean by that? They just don't want to go to hell, so they got saved. That's it. And they don't think there's anything else to it. But God says, no, 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 there's more to it. And over the last four weeks, we talked about our journey. I'm not going back into that today. But there's a journey and there's a process that God wants you to get on. Because he's got so much more for you than fire insurance. And it starts with this little word that we call faith. You say, Trent, why does it start there? Because... It doesn't do much good to trust someone and think they can save you if you don't have the faith to know they can get it done. Point. Jesus died. You accepted his free gift of salvation. If you're a believer, if not, we're going to give you a chance before this is over with to become a believer. But if you're a believer, then Jesus died. So basically, none of us here have ever met Jesus in person, right? In person, physically. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not arguing, don't send me emails about he can speak to you. I do believe that. Jesus does still speak to us. He tells us things. He helps us make decisions. But none of us have ever seen the physical human form of Jesus. Better yet, if you look back at the disciples, when he called them, you remember the New Testament wasn't written yet. 
They didn't know. They were just following some guy that said, come, follow me, and he was going to give them a better life. But here's where I'm getting at with all of that being said is the fact that if you don't have the faith that he can actually save you, then you wouldn't have accepted him to begin with, right? Or maybe you're sitting there now thinking, huh, see, this society is crazy. See, Christians want to believe in, and I'm not saying all Christians, but there are people out there that believe that they believe in the whole salvation miracle. That's the greatest miracle that things that can happen in your life. You can be saved. But then when it comes to all the other stuff, how do y'all... Some of y'all looking at me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, maybe being prophesied to, maybe God speaking to you, he's telling you to do something, different things like that. There are people out there that don't believe this stuff still happens. How can you have one without the other? Because if Jesus, he says in the Bible that, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't believe that's changing. I believe in this society, we still see miracles. The problem is most people don't know about them, so they, they don't hear about them, so they just don't know what to believe anymore. But let's get to let's get to our point scripture here. Matthew chapter 9. Let's, let's go to Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. <clears throat> but the point there was that if you have faith believing Jesus can save you, then he will. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 1, says, Jesus stepped into a boat. And crossed over and came to his own town. So men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, same word there, pistis, he said to the man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say? And Jesus is so cool, right? Check this out. He's like, well, what's easier to say to this guy? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to a man. Point number one in your notes there. Sometimes it's the faith of others that gives us the strength to get our miracle. Remember, we said we're a miracle-believing church. We believe the signs and wonders are going to be taking place in this house. That's one of the goals of this ministry. We want to see God changing Lies. But y'all, did you notice here the faith of these men? Remember we talked about if you don't have faith that whatever it is you're talking to or that person can get it done, then you're not worried about it, right? These guys had enough faith in Jesus. And in other scriptures, we find that they lowered him through a roof, but that's not mentioned here in Matthew. But they laid him and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus, it says there in verse 2, Jesus saw their faith. Same word. Believe, trust, actions based on that trust. They believed that Jesus could get the job done, so they brought their paralyzed friend and laid him down before Jesus. And he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Let me just tell you a little bit about the impact of what he just said. Jews in this day, the only person that can forgive sins is God. So for those of you out there who want to argue Jesus is just a prophet, 
If he's just a prophet, then the Pharisees are absolutely right in the scripture by calling him a blasphemer. Because only God can forgive sin. So this stirs a mess. And remember we talked about there's always critics. There's always going to be people telling you you can't do whatever it is God has called you to do. But he laid him, they laid him down. Jesus said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And at that, the Pharisees were all, what? This guy's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. Now, how did Jesus respond there in verse 4? He said, why do you entertain evil thoughts? Now, the impact of this next phrase is big too, y'all. And I'll explain it here in just a second. I'm trying to be brief because I want to keep moving. But Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? That's verse 4. Verse 5 says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? In the day of the Jews, and if, if there's still Jews out there, we noticed some that lost their lives yesterday. That's a sad tragedy. We did pray for them at the beginning of our service. I just want the families, I don't know if anybody there will ever see this, but we're praying for you. Because that's a great loss, what had happened yesterday. But the Jews at this point, looking down, <clears throat> God is the only one that can forgive sins. But you know what? The Deuteronomy tells us the way that you test a prophet. And I don't have the scripture up here. But the way you test a prophet to see if they're actually from God is if what they say comes to pass. So Jesus, when he makes this statement, he says, Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But then what did Jesus say? He says, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So then Jesus says, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. There was nothing left to say at this point. Even if they thought he was just a prophet. If he was sent from God, then what he said would come to pass. And Jesus, he knew the scripture. Of course Jesus knows the scriptures. He's God. Pharisees know the scriptures as well. So at this point, when Jesus says, okay, I want you to know I can do this, so get up, walk, and go home. He's proving to them that I've been sent here from God, by God, for this purpose. There's nothing left for them to say at that point. So the man got up, he went home. And what does it say about the crowd? The crowd saw this, and they were filled with awe. And they praised God, who had given such authority, remember, to them, to a man. At this point, you know, they're still trying to figure out who is this guy. So sometimes it's the faith of others that gives us the strength to get our miracles. Had it not been, Jesus said he saw their faith. Because of their faith, I'm going to do this for you. So sometimes it's the faith of others. Another brief story here is in Matthew 15, and we're just going to look at verse 28. But here's the background on it. There's a woman who's come to Jesus. Her daughter is demon-possessed. She falls all over the place all the time. She comes to Jesus, but she's not a Jew. And at this point, Jesus tells her, you know what? It's not good for me to feed to the dogs what I've got for the children. Can you imagine being called a dog? But he was testing this woman's faith. But check out. Then the woman said, yes, this is, this is kind of the story. Then we're going to get to what Jesus' response was. The woman said, yeah, but even the dogs eat the scraps from the tables of their masters. And what did Jesus say to her there in verse 28? It says, then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Same word, pistis. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Why does that connect with the one above it? Because the girl wasn't there. Her mom came on her behalf to Jesus to get a miracle that she knew only Jesus 
could do. So her faith got her daughter healed at that moment. When Jesus spoke the word, her daughter was healed. Jumping on to Matthew 9 in the same chapter, Matthew 9 down in verse 20, it says, Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Experts believe that that was some sort of blood cancer. They don't know because it doesn't really say specifically. But just to give you an idea of what she's struggling with and what she's been struggling with for 12 years. Can you imagine being sick for 12 straight years? The woman comes and she, in, in her mind, she's thinking, all I've got to do is touch the edge of his cloak and I'll be healed. And she said to herself, verse 21, what I just said, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her and he said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith, same word, pistis has healed you. So it wasn't just her believing he could get it done. It was her actions that she took to get to the Savior that she knew could heal her that actually got her her miracle. He said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Point number two in your notes. It's your own step of faith that gets us, or it's our own step of faith that gets us our miracle. The woman stepped out. She risked everything. Jesus was on his way. If you read the story, he was on his way to heal someone else. The woman reaches out, grabs his cloak. He feels energy. We get more details in other gospels on this. He feels energy drained out of him because she's healed when she touches his cloak. But Jesus looked at her and said, your faith is what has healed you. Your faith is what sets you free. So it's our own step of faith. In other words, doing something, actions based on what we believe he can do that gets us our miracle. Now check this out. There's another story, and we're not gonna, I'm not going to make you turn there, but I want to key in on one verse in it again, so I'm going to give you a brief background. Jesus is walking, or he has sent out his disciples, and there's people that are sick, or they have a demon-possessed man, and they come to Jesus because the disciples have already tried to cast this demon out. And they get to, they come to Jesus, and later on, the disciples, and Jesus, of course, cast the demon out. But then the disciples come up to him later and say, you know what? Why couldn't we do that? And Jesus replied in verse 20, Matthew 17, because you have so little faith. Same word, pistis. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, you study the mustard seed, and we're going to look at it a little bit later. A uh, mustard seed, once it's planted, begins to grow, begins to flourish. It eventually birds can land on it and make nests. It grows and grows. So you plant that little bit of seed of faith inside of you. And once you begin to see God doing things, because you've got just a little faith, then it grows from there, and then that's when it sprouts out because that little bitty seed turns into something great. But that's kind of what the reference to the mustard seed, and I don't know that Jesus is actually talking about a literal mountain because I believe he's actually talking about those things that come to us in our lives. Those mountains, those things that seem impossible to get past. Jesus is telling them, if you've got faith, the size of a mustard seed, it grows from there, then you're going to be able to talk to mountains, speak to them, and move them and cast them out of your way because you've got that little bit 
of faith. Matthew 9, once again, jumping down to verse 27, it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men called, followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your, guess what, same word, faith, let it be done to you, and their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. The last point there on your paper, it's our faith to do whatever it takes to reach him that gets Jesus' attention. Think about it. These blind men have been sitting on the side of the road for a long time. They've had people tell them they can't get this. They're never going to see, so they've been treated a certain way their entire lives. But when they found out that Jesus was coming and that Jesus had arrived, they weren't worried. And we can take a whole other sermon and go deeper in that because there's a lot more we can do with that. But I'm not trying to get there today. They moved through whatever crowds, whatever people were telling them to hush. Because if you read all the Gospels account of this, you just go a little bit deeper, deeper on what, they, what actually happened. They got through whatever it was that they had to get through just to get to Jesus. They said, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked him, do you believe I am able to do this? Now, obviously they do because they've left, but Jesus needs to hear it from them. They left, they, they trusted, they followed him enough to know that he could do it. So they came to him and they said, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes. This type of stuff still happens, guys. I knew a guy when I was in Tennessee. He was deaf. And in a prayer service on a Wednesday night, God opened his ears. Don't tell me God can't do miracles. If you're one of those out there maybe watching me that's believed God doesn't still do the miracles that he did back in the day, you can't convince me of that because I've seen him heal people from cancer. I've seen him heal people from Crohn's disease. I've seen him heal deaf ears and make them where they're able to hear. This stuff still happens. So my encouragement to you this morning, Christians, is don't let the world beat your faith down so much that you don't believe it can still happen because it does and it will. But you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to get your miracle. You've got to be willing to reach him. Whatever it takes to reach Jesus, that's what gets his attention. You're desperate. You're coming to him. The thing that all these people have in common is that they were all desperate. They needed something from him, and they believed he could do it. And so then they got Jesus' attention, and Jesus healed them because of their faith. Another story, and I'm getting ready to wrap this thing up, is in Matthew 21 when the disciples of Jesus are walking past. And in this particular uh, part of this, this particular story, the way Matthew tells it, Jesus was hungry, so he went up to a fig tree to get something to eat. And he found nothing but leaves, and he said, you'll never bear fruit again. And he died instantly in that moment. And the disciples were looking like, what? How did it die so quickly? And they asked Jesus that question. And verse 21 in Matthew 21 says, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Same word. 
I know I said that for every verse, but I want you to understand, pistis is a powerful word that is used there. It's not just belief and trust, but it's actions based on your trust and belief that God can get it done that makes things happen. I said all that to give you a definition that the Bible has for faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Any of y'all ever met some Christians that's got a vision or God has spoken to them and he's given them something in their lives and they keep moving forward and you keep asking them, why do you keep trying? Why don't you just do this other way that we're trying to get you to do? But they keep pushing forward because they, what? They have faith because faith, what did I say there? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Just because we haven't seen it happen yet, and if you're a Christian out there that's got that vision, let me encourage you to hold on to that vision. Because don't let the world beat it down. Don't let them take it away from you. Because your faith and that confidence and the assurance of things that you haven't seen yet is what's going to get you whatever it is or get you to wherever God is calling you to get or get you your miracle or whatever it was in all the examples that we had today. If y'all want to stand, we're getting ready to dismiss Linda. You can come and play something softly. I want to talk to you for a second, and I say this every week, but if you're out there watching me online, maybe you've never received, or maybe if you're here in my presence, and you've never actually been saved, but we keep talking about this salvation thing. I always want to come back to salvation. So in a minute, I want to give you an opportunity for that. But let me talk to the Christians for a minute. Because... If you're watching me online, it's great. I'm glad you're checking us out online. I appreciate it. But come be a part. Come be a part of what God is doing in Jackson, Missouri. I know you're out there because I've seen you. You've sent me Facebook messages. You've asked questions. I get stuff all the time from people having questions and things they're wondering. Let me encourage you. I'm glad you're tuning online. Don't get me wrong. But you need to come be a part of what God is trying to do in Jackson, Missouri. Now, if you're not called to be a part of this house, that's fine. But you need to be a part of a church family. Don't just watch at home. And I, once again, I stress, I'm glad you're doing that. But you need more. You need fellowship with other believers. Because you can't be this whole Jesus and I got our own thing going on type of thing. Because, and, and I understand there are circumstances, disabilities where people can't get out. God bless you. If that's you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those that are physically able to come to church. But you're at home instead watching us on your TV screen or wherever you're checking this out. Come down be a part. And you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you the opportunity. Because there's something I talked to God years ago about. I always want to give the opportunity for those to be saved that may need to be saved. Because that's what it's really about. Win souls for God's kingdom. If you need to be saved and you're listening to me out there, you say it's a simple prayer. The Bible talks about repenting, which means you make a totally 180 with your life. Repent is an old military word. It means about face, where they turn and went the opposite direction. That's repenting. That's what Jesus, or that's what Peter said when he gave his first message. Repent. All of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, be baptized. And that's what it takes. So here's the prayer. It's just real simple, and it doesn't even have to be these exact words. It's something that you pray from your heart between you and God, and that's how you become saved. But you say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. 
I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer from the bottom of your heart and you're here or you're there, congratulations and welcome to the family. You need to get baptized. That's your next step on your journey. I'm just helping you out. The Bible talks about us being baptized. When did they get baptized? As soon as they were saved. So as soon as we can get you in, if you're here at Next Level Freedom Church and you're wanting to be baptized, we don't have a baptistry yet. So we schedule times for the baptism, but as soon as we can get you baptized, that's when you need to be baptized because that's the next step on your journey. And then from there, you get growth track or whatever it is. You need to be involved with a fellowship. So there's a whole journey and a whole process that you need. So I thank you for tuning in if you're online. God bless. I hope you'll tune in next week. We're going to continue this series and we're going to be talking about grace. So God bless. I'll see you.